crush your menopause sugar cravings in time for warm weather fun with all-natural Bossa Bars Menopause Energy Bars. Delicious, keto, and intermittent fasting-friendly. These bars help women manage weight and energy during all stages of the pause. Try them at bossabars.com. That's B-O-S-S-A bars.com and save 10% with code KD10. Welcome to A Certain Age, a show for women who are unafraid to age out loud. Menopause is having a moment. Businesses and brands are rushing to create products to serve the need of this market. Celebrities, including Naomi Watts, Gwyneth Paltrow, Stacey London, are investing in or leading menopause companies. What it means to be a woman in menopause is shifting, becoming more nuanced, becoming more expansive. My guest today is a woman who is at the front of this narrative shift, making menopause more like the women who go through it. Sexy, smart, soulful, stylish, socially aware. Omi Shade Bernie Scott is the creator of the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, a multimedia project seeking to curate and share the stories and realities of Black women and femmes over 50. A Southern seventh generation, native North Carolinian feminist, mother and healer with decades of experience in nonprofit leadership, philanthropy, and social justice, she joins me today to talk about aging, intimacy, body change, pleasure, love, spirituality, and of course, menopause. Welcome, Omi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm super excited. I've been following you and your show uh, for ages on social media. I know that you uh, are a partner with Kindra, which is uh, you know a sponsor of the show. They have wonderful menopause products. You have collaborated on something called Say More Menopause Cards. And mm-hmm. uh, when I saw that cross my you know social media screen, I said, I have to reach out. This is finally the moment I want to connect. Um, we're definitely going to dive into Say More, but I would love to actually start by asking you when and why you launched Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. Sure. This is a great question. Um, <clears throat> I actually took a sabbatical from social justice work in 2019. Um, I started working um, in nonprofit area, social justice um, back in 1995. And that's looked like um, both doing advocacy work around racial justice, gender justice, economic justice. And then I was a a program officer for a small family foundation at one point. Um, And then my, my practice has like shifted to consultancy work. And I found myself really burnt out at the end of, of 2018. Um, we, our parents have been ancestors for quite some time, but we lost our first sibling in, in 2018, which really had a, a deep impact on myself and my other siblings. Um, there was this really intense natu- natural catastrophe in our state of North Carolina. There was a hurricane named Florence and it came and it kind of sat, the eye of the storm sat on my hometown in Eastern North Carolina and created what was called a 500 year flood, which displaced my eldest sister. She was unhoused by that event. And then I was released from my job, which is a nice way of saying I was fired. (laughs) And uh, euphemism alert, right? All right, right, right. Um, But honestly, I am grateful for all of those precipitating events, because what I felt like the universe was really trying to say to me, it's like, oh, me slow down, take a moment, 
take care of your heart, take care of your body, um, be, be with the folk who you love, be with your boys, be with your siblings, um, be with your friends, just sit down for a second, just take care of yourself. So I launched into a creative sabbatical at the um, behest and encouragement of a close circle of friends and my eldest son, Che. Um, and while I was doing this creative sabbatical, you know, I love storytelling. I'm a storyteller. I'm a creative. Um, I wanted to have conversations with um, Black women my age and Black women who were older just to touch base on life. And um, I'm very blessed to live in this amazing creative community of Durham, North Carolina. And I reached out to a couple of people who now partner with me and work with me on the Black Girls Guide around this idea and it came up, well, maybe you should document these conversations. These feel like they're gonna be like rich, rich, rich conversations that could probably be beneficial to other people. I said, that's a great idea. So my current um, podcast producer, Mariah said, you should do a podcast and we should call it the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause. And I thought that was funny. I said, oh, that's, that's a hoot. And then I said, actually, that's exactly what it is. And we went from there. We are um, in season four of the podcast. And quite honestly, Katie, I was really coming to the conversation and this creative place from my own identity of myself as a Black, cis, hetero woman, Southern woman. And I realized that that was still very limiting in terms of the voices and the narratives and the stories that I really wanted to be able to share. So we've been very intentional about the fact that our work to normalize menopause, midlife, and aging through culture and narrative shift work is through centering the stories of Black women, of course, but also Black women identified and gender expansive people. Um, I did not want to be complicit in the further marginalization of people who are experiencing menopause and midlife because they don't identify the same way that I do. Absolutely. Um, and I think you've done such a good job of that. And when I look, thank you. When I look at the you know, the list of guests that you've had and the topics that you've focused on, you know, that that um, you realize that vision. And and this leads mm -hmm. me to I have a two part question for you. And then and I, I want to um, you've had a number of conversations. You're in season four of this incredible offering. Uh, mm -hmm. What surfaced in your conversations about the experience of black women or non-binary individuals that um, makes their menopause situation sort of unique and distinct? And then my second part question is, what have you seen that is universal? Mm. Um, I think that everybody's menopause um, experience is unique. Um, whether you are white, black, Latinx, indigenous, Chinese, whether you're 25, 45, or 50, like we all have very, very unique experiences. I think that um, sometimes when we're talking about women's health or health equity, we really want to kind of lump everybody into the same basket. Right, because what we're trying to do is make sure that folks ha have access to quality care. And if they're not having access to quality care, that we're trying to figure out how to make that happen. And we're also trying to, you know, advocate for folks to be protected around their bodily autonomy. But truth be told, none of us are the same. Physiologically, we might have, you know, uteruses, fallopian tubes, and ovaries, but that's kind of the limitation of our sameness across the board. So when you're thinking about how a person shows up in their intersectional identity around race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, sexual expression, socioeconomic status, 
regionalisms, like all we, when we don't pay attention to that, um, it's, it's kind of, um, there's a, I don't want to use the word lazy because um, that's not the word that I want to be amplified in this conversation. There's a lack of curiosity that is, that's on a spectrum, kind of a lack of curiosity because people don't have opportunities or haven't had opportunities to be in a thoughtful place or it, to be in any kind of authentic relationship with folk who are not similar to them. And then sometimes there's kind of a woeful, willful ignorance where it's like, oh, we're all the same. It's like, actually, you could not possibly think that. So there's, and, and then there's all of the nuance in between those two kind of points of entry into how are we all not the same? How are we all the same? And I think that the experiences um, for Black women, and I am not the ombudsman of all Black women, um, I can speak from my experience. And what I am very clear is that Black women are not a monolith, but certainly we do have some shared experiences in this country as it relates to race, as it relates to gender, as it relates to being hypersexualized, as it relates to um, our personhood often being invisibilized. And so what I wanted to be able to do is to do what I figure very much through a social justice lens is um, a reclamation of a space and a voice and a narrative from an equitable standpoint, right? So it's like, if I center these voices, all voices will be amplified. If I center these stories, all stories will be amplified. And that's the equity lens rather than the equality lens. And so what I've been hearing <clears throat> from Black women, women identified in gender expansive peoples is like menopause is more than gender. Menopause is more than age. And it, it is also more than a physiological experience. It is a mental experience, emotional experience, cultural experience, and some would say a spiritual experience. I definitely feel is a spiritual experience. So and, and when people tell, ask- I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Keep going about that. Because I wanted to ask you oh, next well, about the spiritual experience component of sure. that. So when people ask me, well, how is your experience different from um, a white woman or how your experience might be different from a white friend? I was like, well, we, we have different experiences in this country. Um, and so while we may have shared experiences because I identify as a cis hetero person and they may identify as a cis hetero person, our lived experiences are gonna be different because um, systemic oppression, white supremacy, patriarchy and misogyny impact us differently. So that's why physiologically I might have different experiences because of the stress that I might experience because of the systemic oppression that um, a white woman might not experience um, or because of the stress that, I don't know, last night I interviewed a trans masculine non-binary person who experienced menopause when they were in their late 20s because they were um, engaged in gender affirming surgeries to be more of who they are and their care team kind of forgot to mention that they would go through menopause as a result of these surgeries and so, and they're they're about to turn 31 and I'm 55 and so there are ways in which our experiences are the same and there are ways that they are very divergent um, the spiritual aspect for me is that I think about our entire life's journey as being a series of transformations, series of um, rites of passages, series of experiences that give you more information about who you are this lifetime, how you're showing up, um, the nature of your relationships, um, the kind of integrity and character you wanna walk with in the world. And 
as you go through these different iterations of yourself, you're, you're given more opportunities to be more authentically yourself, which I think is, um, for me, um, a part of my spiritual practice and understanding. And I think of menopause as being um, one of those rites of passages that I have experienced this lifetime. And also, I think of menopause as being a liminality. Um, and when, when we talk about liminal spaces, we often think about liminality as it relate, relates to death and dying. But I think liminality is much bigger than that. Um, and I think that there, we often experience liminal experiences that we don't even know because you're in the midst of it and you're kind of like being transformed from one way of showing up either in the world, in your relationships, in your own body to a new way. And it can be really disconcerting. It can be challenging. Um, it can be confusing. And I think that so much of what we're seeing happening in this menopause landscape is people rallying to make sure that folk have support while they're navigating this liminal experience. Absolutely. And what, you did a whole podcast on this where you say transformation is not linear. You know, it happens mm -hmm. in cycles. It's literally a swirl of change. And I, mm -hmm. I love that you identify that sometimes you don't even recognize that change is happening because it's swirling all around you. We are going to be heading into a commercial break, but when we come back, I want to explore some grounding ideas that, that, that have either worked for you or that you've surfaced through your conversations that you can offer to listeners who might be in this swirl of change. We'll be back after this quick break. Rosebud Woman crafts beautiful, organic, sexual wellness and intimate self-care products to support women in midlife. Their Honor Everyday Balm is a magical vulvar and vaginal moisturizer with Basa Bolo to build back skin resilience. I use it and absolutely love it. Arouse, the only three-in-one stimulating serum available on the market, enhances sensation in a woman's own lubrication. Rosebud Woman also offers award-winning body care products crafted to address the top needs of women of a certain age. I use the Anoint Oil on both my face and body daily. It is silky, smooth, and deeply hydrating. Join Rosebud Woman in a lifestyle of deep self-reverence. A certain age listeners who use the code KD10 at checkout receive 10% off their purchase. That's K-A-T-I-E-1-0. Head to rosewoman.com for beautiful sexual wellness and intimate care essentials. Okay, Omi, when we headed into the break, we talked about the notion that transformation is not linear, that it happens in cycles. Sometimes you, you use words like, you know, unsettling and sort of maybe overwhelming, or maybe that's my word because I felt overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, how do we navigate through phases of change uh, in a way that, that, that is grounding? What works, has, what has worked for you? you? You shared that you had to be told by the people closest to you, sit down and take care of yourself during a moment where you were in an ultimate transition. Uh, mm -hmm. What worked for you during that time? And, and what have you surfaced through your conversations on the podcast that you can offer, offer to listeners? Mm. I think that what has, I love this question, by the way. I think what has worked for me is being in really tight, beautiful community with a group of um, very close friends um, who are always holding space for each other. Um, and as we um, gather new experiences, um, we process those experiences with each other and we hold on to them. So I think our, our my group of friends are um, wildly and deeply introspective people. And so when we find a friend who might be entering into 
a, a transformative experience that one of us has already like navigated. For example, I think about, I was one of the first people in our friendship group to lose a parent. My, my mom passed away 24 years ago, I was 31. And so what has happened as a result of that is when I've had other friends um, know that their, their parents, you know, their mother or their father or both or um, at the end of their life, they will reach out and say, Omi, I know that you had to navigate this. I don't know what to do. I need help. And that's how I ended up in this kind of odd death doula role as well in my community, not only of, of close friends, but has banded out um, to people who I actually don't know and don't have relationships with who are just trying to figure out how to navigate this natural process in the same way that folk are trying to navigate um, when they access a birth doula. That's, that's such an um, uh, amazing offering to have because you are, you're not only bringing the experience of having done it, you're bringing 24 years of perspective. You know, right. so it's it's not just right. oh hey I've gone through this too, but I've gone through right. this too, and I've I've seen what works, and 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 you have this um this uh I don't know this sort of like wealth of knowledge that 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 only perspective can give us that 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 you can offer to people who are struggling through it, which is why I love that you also shared that your conversations around menopause were meant to focus on uh, not just women like ourselves who may be like right in the process, but to connect with women who are older, mm. who've gone through it because they have mm -hmm. what we are not going to have yet, which is just this sort of distance from the experience where you can talk about it in a different way. Ha have yeah. you been surprised by anything that um, you've had in conversation with somebody who is maybe significantly older than you in chronological years? Yeah, I, I I think the first person that I interviewed for the podcast in season one, um, a person who was a dear family friend named Dolores Eaton, when I interviewed her, she was 89 um, and she passed away last year at 91. Um, so she was the same exact age as my mother and she was my eldest son's teacher. She was retired. And when we decided we were gonna go into the season, I asked her if she would do me the honor of being the first person we talked to. And interestingly enough, what I found ironic was that no one had a conversation with her about menopause. Um, and that's a, actually a pretty persistent reflection, both with folk who are my peers and folk who are older. It's like, no, actually no one talked to me about menopause. There's a conversation um, in varying degrees about menstruation, about the onset of your cycle, about um, menarche, right? But not about menopause. And so when I talked to, and we call her lovingly Mama D, when I talked to Mama D about her experience with menopause, she was able to reflect very honestly and candidly about her personal experience with menopause. And she was also to, able to be reflective of, my mother never talked to me about this though. And my aunts didn't talk to me about this. What she learned about menopause was, was by going through it um, and being um, introspective or reflective of what her experience was after she had been done with that. And I think that part of um, my way of making sense of my own lived experience is that I get very curious. I'm, I'm a... Um, a tinkerer, a, a lay anthropologist, a lay historian. I always want to know more context around what I'm experiencing. I don't, and I think that absolutely has to do with my training and work around social justice. I always know that there's more text and 
context and subtext around what I've experienced. And so it was really interesting to me when she said, no, my mother never talked to me about that. And what she said to her about her period was like, you're a young woman now, Dolores, and you can get pregnant. And so they were just really focused on making sure that she did not have an unwanted pregnancy because they wanted to make sure that she went to college and um, you know, was able to do all the things that she wanted to be able to do in life as a woman who was born during the Great Depression, became a teenager during World War II and was being raised and going to college in the Jim Crow South in Alabama. So like all of that is context for why they didn't talk to her about her body. You know, yeah. it's, so, it's so interesting what you said, too. Like, they were focused on making sure that this, you know, uh, feminine milestone that she went through wasn't going to maybe, like, derail or change what was possible for in her life, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to make mm-hmm. sure she wasn't having a baby too young, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, which, which I can understand as a mother of a 22-year-old girl, you know, a, a young woman, rather. But it's, it's interesting because when you think about the fact that menopause, you know, can happen as early as 35 and typically happens around 51, 52, when we still have decades in front of us and there's still so much that's possible, yet we don't even recognize that we need to be having these conversations necessarily so that you can continue to thrive in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I had lunch with a friend recently who was sharing that, you know, she uh, has a 15-year-old daughter and she's 45 and she realized that her daughter was going to be going through 30 years of, of, you know, having her period and she was going to be going through 30 years of not having it. They almost had like mm-hmm. the equal mm-hmm. expanse of time in front of them, yet we choose to focus on this this middle part and not this ending part. Why, why do you think that is? Um, I think that when you live in a culture that has a very dynamic relationship with women's bodies, talk about euphemism (laughs) alert let's just call it like what it is i mean people want to tell us what to do and it's not okay all the time well not okay not okay you know there's so many ways in which that we experience patriarchy um both internalized and explicitly externalized and so we fight it all the time. We're fighting it um, from the moment that you take your first breath to the moment that you take your last breath to be able to move in the world with uninterrupted bodily autonomy and agency. And so part of the way that bodily autonomy is disrupted is by silence. Um, If you are not able to talk about your body, if you are not affirmed about your identity, if you are told that there's something wrong with your body, um, if you are told that the way that you show up is less than human, you've got, to, you've got to unpack and unlearn all those things. So I feel like we're in this constant kind of flux of learning and unlearning, reclaiming, disrupting, and all the ways. And I've been reimagining my menopause origin story to really um, think about the breadth of my experience with menstruation. Um, I started my period 43 years ago. So I, my origin story started October 31st, 1979 in Mr. Barnes's math class. That's when I began my menopause journey because menopause is the ending. It's not a spontaneous event that has, is detached from your full menstruation journey. It's a part of your menstruation journey. And so if you think about your origin story then, then you actually kind of kick it back. You know, people say, well, when did you start thinking about menopause? Like when I heard 
the full breadth of what menopause was that included perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause, I was already somebody's mother. I had already been married. I was pregnant with my last baby. So I wish that the conversation that I felt like was so robust for me in the 1970s around my period and sex education and contraception, because we were living in Maryland at the time and they had a really um, decent sex education program at our, at our, our public school, which no longer exists in so many school systems, that they had also included menopause. If you begin something, you can assume safely that there's going to be an ending at some point. In the same way that we begin our lives, we know that we will end our lives. So the same way we begin menstruation, we will end menstruation. And that's why so much of the work that we do at Black Girls Guy is intergenerational. We're like, we're not spontaneously all becoming menopausal people. You've been on a journey and you didn't even know you were on. I love that. Oh, me, by the way, my my uh, experience with uh, having my period started in math class as well. So we have that oh. in common. So I was I I was in math class. We it was like during the spring. We had to. I was in a Catholic school. We had to wear these like pale yellow skirts. And Marion Bell tapped me on the hallway after math class and said, come into the bathroom. And I was like, why? And I got in there and I had, like, had bled through the back of my skirt. But oh I didn't know. And she was so kind. I will never forget this. She said, oh. go into that bathroom stall, take your skirt off and hand it to me. And she, and she washed, she washed it you? in the sink for me. And then she said, put it on, you know, turn it around and wear like flip it. Flip yes. it. And then go to the school nurse and get a tampon. And I was like, what's happening? I mean, it was so, anyhow. So she was so kind and so supportive. And so um, sweet. So oh, shout out. What's her name again? Marion Bell. Marion Marian Bell. Bell. I hope you're listening to this episode. I'm going to make her listen to it because we're still you in should. touch. And I'm well, going to say. And my person was Sandy Jones, my best friend, who's still one of my best friends. Oh. I wrote her a note and I said, something's happening. And she wrote me a note back and she said, happening where? And I said, in my panties. And she was like, what? Oh my God. And I said, I, th- I think my period started and she was like, what? First of all, I love and that so- you wrote her a note because today you'd be texting her. You'd be like, right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. This is definitely pre-cell phone days. And then she she literally got up and went up to the front of the class and whispered in Mr. Barnes's ear, I think her period has started. We need to go to the nurse. And he, he looked at us. He was horrified. <laughs> because, for, I, I think for vast and sundry reasons. But also, he, we really got on his nerves because we talked all the time. And he was like, <laughs> okay, fine, get out. And then we went to the nurse. And the nurse, she announced to the nurse that I had started my period. And she asked Sandy, well, ha- did you start your period as well? And she said, no. She said, you can go outside and sit in the hall. Um, oh my gosh. And the nurse, the school nurse was also very kind to me. She said, how do you feel? I said, I'm a little crampy and I'm a little, I have a little bit of a headache. She said, well, okay. Do you want to call your mom? And I said, I would love to call my mom. And I called my mom. I was a registered nurse. And I called my mom and I said, mommy, I think my period just started. And she started crying. <laughs> it was so sweet. She was like, I can't wait until you get home. And I was like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. And when I got home, she just loved up on me and she called my aunties and my auntie sent me a period like package. It was like from Macy's. Nothing fake. Maze, Maze in New York. Um, my aunt lived in Brooklyn, and she sent me this package, and it had seven day a week panties with the days of the. Oh week my god! Panties. Yes, you remember those? Yes, and <laughs> and also like a, a bunch of sanitary napkins, both um, with adhesive and with a belt, um, a lightweight girdle, a full girdle, 
three slips, um, and this just very sweet note was my Aunt Emma and my Aunt Anna, which were my dad's sisters. And they were like, you are a young lady now and we love you and we're proud of you. And I was just like, oh my God. I it was just like this. overwhelmingly sweet. And they did that for all, I have 16 first cousins who are women and they did that for all of the girls in our I love this story. And now I'm like racking my brain. I, 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 you know, most of my nieces are actually a couple are coming up. So I'm, 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 putting, mm-hmm. I'm putting the seven day underwear uh, idea in the back of my head to whip out because I those underwear, like, I love that. That's such, I do a, too. such a fun memory. And this mm-hmm. is such a great segue. I want to talk about Say More because Say More is about having these conversations and sort of celebrations. You know, um, it's the project that you're doing with Kendra, the Say More mm-hmm. menopause cards. And I spent some time on the website reading about it, and you call it an invitation, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. adore. What are you inviting us to, and what do women experience using this card and accepting this invitation? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Part of what I've experienced, and I think maybe you have probably experienced this too with your platform, is that people really do want to talk about it. Um, people who listen to the podcast or participate in our intergenerational events. Um, often say, I want to talk about it. I don't know where to begin. Like, I don't know how to start the conversation. Or if we start the conversation, I know there's probably so much more that we could talk about. And so when I was um, in communication with the folk at Kendra back in the fall, so we've been working on this since last fall, um, we were talking about uh, how we could create a tool that would facilitate deeper dialogue, um, introspection, um, and a deeper thought process around what menopause is and what midlife is. So it's, it's about menopause. It is also about midlife. And we want this deck to be um, accessible to people who are experiencing menopause, also to the people who are in their lives. So here's a, here's a fun fact. Um, I recently hosted an event here in North Carolina with a small group of people to introduce the deck to my local community. And one of the people who came to the event, her name is Brittany, took the deck home. And the next day she had a conversation with her grandmother, her grandfather, her aunt, her uncle, and her husband all using the deck. And the way that the deck is broken down is broken down into the four elements. So earth, air, fire, and water. You shuffle one of those elements and then you draw cards. And the card that came up was around sexual pleasure. And that's when Brittany learned that her grandparents are having fantastic sex. <laughs> frequently. <Yay>! Frequently. <laughs> and, and she texted me and she said, Omi, I just found out that my grandparents are getting it in <laughs> because of the same word debt. And I cracked up and I said, wait, what? And she oh said, my I took the deck to my grandparents' house and I was talking to my grandmother and my auntie and then my granddad chimed in and he said, oh yes, no, we're having the best <laughs> sex of our lives right now. And then her uncle started chiming in and said, what are y'all talking about? And then her husband came into the conversation. So again, there's an assu- it's a very gendered assumption that we're only talking to women. It's Got a very it. yes. gendered assumption, right? That we're only talking to a certain population of folk who will get this or want to get this. But I promise you, every time I've had a conversation with folk, from the photographer who worked with us to do the lifestyle shoot, 
to the folk who are on my team, to the people who I've sent the deck to, and then this event. It's like, oh no, th- these are questions for everybody. I said, they actually are. And the fact that there are explicit questions about menopause and aging makes it that much richer. You know, my um, training when I first came into the nonprofit social justice work was around popular education. Um, There was an amazing um, educator, writer, activist, and advocate named Paula Frera, who wrote a book called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And one of the things that he talks about in the pedagogy of the press is like how story is central and key to any advocacy, activism, or transformation or change. And we learn a dialogical tool called popular education where you and I are doing this right now. You're the expert of your story. I'm the expert of my story. We're exchanging stories. And somewhere in this exchange, somewhere in this dialogue, there is an opportunity for us to figure out together how we can transform the nature in which people experience menopause. And so we packed that all into the development of this deck. So we looked at how will this deck be used as a dialogical tool? How will we use what we understand to be true around popular education as a tool inside this deck? And so it's really, I, I pulled a couple of cards for yes, us because I knew we were going to be talking. Let's do it. I want to hear so let's, you go. So I pulled, I pulled from the earth element and this is a real, oh, this is a good one. So This is the earth element and the subcategory for this particular card is identity. So the question is, how has your body changed over time? Think about how you feel about your body today. Has it impacted how you relate to the world around you? And then there's an invitation also on this card. How do you celebrate or honor how your body has transformed? What were the greatest challenges and how did that spark growth? I I could we need a whole nother podcast because <laughs> <laughs> because I had this so many good ideas. Should I g- give mm. you a couple of quick answers? I you know sure. I would say that um, go for it. You know my body has my body has definitely changed. I am um, I'm 52. I've had three children. I I am not I'm not the body or the 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 shape or the skin that I that I was at different times. And and sometimes when I look in the mirror, I'm surprised. You know I feel like I. My mm. my mental image of myself maybe is different in practice, but mm-hmm. you know I, I think largely I was raised by a mom who who didn't center like beauty or appearance, and and mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. I mean there are days when I'm like it could look different, and I you know I wish it did, but like for the most part I I feel grateful, and um, I feel like I'm at 52. I'm healthier and fitter and happier than I ever was. I was a smoker when I was young, and I didn't mm-hmm. take care of myself in that way, and. I was lazy. Um, um, I guess we're not going to say lazy, but I was had a lack of curiosity around exercise. Mm. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Let's mm-hmm, put it that mm-hmm, way. And mm-hmm. I, as I've gotten older, I recognize that um, I need to care for myself. And I do yoga, mm. and I try to eat healthy, and I, you know, try to stay away from cigarettes, and you know, I do drink wine. But I, I, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just grateful. I, I lost y- young friends to cancer when I was in mm. um, high school, and I, I, I appreciate that my body still works and is here for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's really good. That's a lot. See, I just so, dumped a lot on you. <laughs> no, it's really, good. and that's how it is. So, this deck also um, is yeah. a somatic experience, and so somatics is like how 
our body processes our lived experiences and some of those lived experiences um, sometimes come with trauma or um, come with a lot of emotional heaviness or weight and sometimes they also just elicit a, a bodily response a somatic response because of um, the emotion and the joy that you also experience and so this is absolutely what people should anticipate it's like oh this is a great conversation that makes you want to do what say more you want to dig in you want to like really unpack these places um, I also am um, a lover of yoga and one of the things that I have incorporated into my yoga practice is standing in front of the mirror in the morning before I put on my gear to go downstairs and get on my mat and I do a little bit of an inventory of where I'm like how do you feel about your body today only like what is there a body part or body parts that you feel like you want to show some extra love to today or that you actually feel good about today? And there are some days, I'm going to be honest, where I'm like, I don't like anything about my body. I'm just going to go down, get on this mat and get it over with. I'm just I'm <laughs> not feeling it. Um, but honestly, more often than not, I have so much gratitude for this body. Um, and this journey that I've been on in particular over these last couple of years, I think about how powerfully my body has carried me through the pandemic. I'm grateful um, for the way that my body has shown me how strong I am um, and how resilient I am and how I know how to take care of myself. Like I do have body memory where I know what I need to be healthy. I know what I need to drink. I know what I need to eat. I know how I need to move. I know how I need to rest. Am I always consistent? No. Am I always good at it? No. I, but there's a knowing that is undeniable. Um, and I bear witness to that knowing. And so how my body has changed over time is that the no, I trust my knowing um, where I didn't always trust the knowing, especially when it was new to me and like you I've been pregnant three times I had a pregnancy loss at 40 but I've, I have two boys and I also think about my relationship to, to my body and, and and its ability to have carried two spectacularly beautiful people you know so yeah I, I love that I love the word trust and that's such a sort of trust and knowing that we've that we've sort of acquired over the years we mm -hmm. are we are nearing the end of our time but I do have two questions I want to ask you before we move into our speed round so I am going to uh, suggest that everyone who's listening to this go buy this deck. I'm putting it in my like I'm doing ad to cart myself afterwards because I just <laughs> even just this one this one sort of jumping off point, this one prompt that you've shared, I can see how exciting and fun it would be to be doing this with a group of friends, people in your family, the the men in your life, you know, mm -hmm. just people because everybody. Everyone mm -hmm. in your life. So that's I, I want I'm gonna encourage everybody to add to cart and then, you know, share it, you know, tag Omi on on Instagram, tag me. I would love to hear um, what your experience with Say More is. But Omi, what I, what I want to ask you is, you know, could you have created the Black Girl's Guide to Menopause? Could you have created um, uh, Say More when you were younger? I mean, perimenopause begins in our mid to late 30s, but did it take mm -hmm. getting to midlife for you to launch these projects? Oh, yeah. I definitely think that there is something about the journey of getting here. Um, that allowed this to manifest in the way that it did. Um, there's been an accumulation of experiences, both amazing, beautiful, and also really hard that have informed the way that I understand story and narrative and personhood that wasn't available to me in my thirties. Um, 
you know, I think, you know, I'm 55 and at this stage, um, I have moved in the world in a way where I'm sitting in my home that now is literally 20 years old. I bought it 20 years ago this month. Um, and my eldest son is 30. My youngest son will be starting high school. Both my parents are ancestors. I have a sibling who's an ancestor. I've been married. I've been divorced. I've been hired. I've been fired. I've filed bankruptcy. There's just so many things that have happened in my 55 years of life that really informs how I not only see myself, but how I really want to see or bear witness to other people in the fullness of who they are with no illusions of perfection, um, but absolutely um, invested in the very potent, beautiful, powerful way that we can all show up. And so I think that the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause was born at the moment when it was supposed to be. Um, and it was born in a moment where I was not tethered to other work. Um, it was born in a moment where I was in a very vulnerable, open-hearted, tender-hearted place that allowed me to be more um, conscientious of my own voice. Um, and that made me also keen. I had a very keen ear to other people's tenderness. Like I wanted to make the space safe for folk to be tender with me in the same way that I needed to be tender with other folks. So I feel like I was engaging in some really rich kind of um, spiritual reciprocity with the folk who've like offered their, their stories to um, the space that we, we hold. And I think that the work that I've done with Kendra, you know, I'm, I'm actually reached out to quite often to partner. Um, sometimes those partnerships feel like, oh, the universe is ear hustling and knows that we have similar thoughts and want to do really deep, rich, substantive work around this, this menopause midlife thing. And sometimes it feels kind of crummy. Um, it feels very <laughs> much like, it, like you know, yes. I'm just going to be honest, feels right. like folk are wanting to monetize or commodify who I am and also tokenize me. And I don't like that. And I don't engage in that. I, um, I just simply say no. Well, you've said um, yes to something so beautiful with Kendra. My <laughs> last question that before we move into our speed round, Omi, is um, I know that you close your podcast by saying we will see you on the dark side of the moon. And I wanted to, <laughs> as we move nearer to my own close, I, I want to hear why you, why you share that with your listeners. Right. Um, so in a lot of earth-based traditions or goddess-based traditions, our menopausal cycles of our lives are associated with moon phases. And so when we are in um, Menarche, we are considered kind of new moon. Um, you're in the beginning of a phase of a cycle of a journey. Um, when we are fully in our menstrual cycle, whether you decide to become a parent or to have children or carry children or not, you're in kind of the full moon phase of your life. And then when you are no longer menstruating um, and no longer um, have a womb space or a uterus that could carry children if you wanted them or not, um, you're in the, on the dark side of the moon, you're in the crone phase. And so what I like to say that we've done 
with the Black Girls Guide is that we are cartographers and we have excavated the dark side of the moon and we engage in glamping on the dark side of the moon. This is not- <laughs> We're here for okay, glamping. Listen, this is- Listen, Katie, we are not here for any of this alien versus predator type of situation on the dark side of the moon. Absolutely not. We've got- all oh kinds of cozy places for people to sit and yummy food. If you want kombucha, we got kombucha. If you want wine, we've got wine. I and we just <laughs> love this. I love this imagery. I'm gonna I'm gonna glamp on the dark side of the moon with you anytime. Absolutely, oh please gosh. do. And everyone <laughs> needs to tune in and glamp with Omi on her on her <laughs> podcast. But we're gonna do a quick speed round. I do this at the end because I could talk to every single one of my guests for hours. I mean. And it, it's so hard to wrap things up, but I, I do uh, close with a speed round. It's just one or two word answers so we can have a quick, um, I don't know, kind of energy boost as we head out into the end of the okay. show. So it's a one or two word answer. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Creating the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause was? Liberating. Menopause has taught me? So much about life. A menopause body care practice that makes me feel like me rest when i journal i feel curious other voices of midlife or menopause to have on our radar young queer people a same more prompt i return to again and again how has my body changed if a listener picked one card out of this deck which would you want it to be something from the air deck because it's about your thinking. Okay, perfect. We need to be we need to be thinking. Finally, your one word answer to complete the sentence. As I age, I feel beautiful. Love it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> this has been a beautiful conversation. I have so enjoyed getting to know you. I um I feel like I do because your your uh, social media share is just wonderful insight and and just just it's just sort of a, a, a vibrancy that that um sort of pulled me to it. So it's been such a treat to spend time with you. I would say in real life, but I guess we're behind mics in different rooms. But... <laughs> it's real. It's, it's real. just a version of it. That's right. Ver- but I appreciate it. <laughs> right. A version of reality. So before we say goodbye though, how can our listeners find you and your podcast and the same more menopause conversation cards? Absolutely. You can learn more about the Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, our podcast, our zine, our intergenerational conversation through our website, www.blackgirlsguidetosurvivingmenopause.com. You can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, Apple, all the things. And you can learn more about the Say More deck by going to either our website or going to ourkendra.com. And you can learn more about our partnership there too. Fantastic. Every single thing that you mentioned will go into the show notes. Listeners can find those over on a certainagepod.com. Thank you so much, Omi. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. This wraps A Certain Age, a show for women who are aging without apology. Join me next Monday when I sit down with Australian author Tabitha Carvan to dive into her irresistible memoir, This Is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch. It's hilarious, heartfelt. It crackles with wit and shares the liberating power of reclaiming our passions as we age, whatever or whoever they may be. Before we say goodbye, I want to thank everyone who has taken time to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. I see and appreciate you. 
If you've not yet done so, make today the day. It's so easy to do. Just find a certain age on your podcast app, scroll down to the bottom, and tap on the stars to rate or leave a written review. Both matter. Special thanks to Michael Mancini, who composed and produced our theme music. See you next time. And until then, age boldly, beauties. Thank you.